Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Alexis the Midwife. And I'm Becky the Doula. Welcome to Notes from the Mother Box, where we will be having real and frank conversations about the highs and lows of the parenting journey. We are delighted that we have a fantastic partnership this season with Sophie and the Giraffe, especially because this year is Sophie's 60th birthday. And we have some exciting things lined up in Sophie's honour across this season, including a special birthday celebration episode. If you want to see the full range of Sophie Le Giraffe products, head over to sophielegiraffe.co.uk and in the meantime, pop the kettle on, pour yourself a cuppa, sit back and enjoy this week's episode of Notes from the Mother Box. Today we'd love to welcome Emma from the Playful Den to the show. Emma is a mother of three, a kid culture expert, family researcher and play advocate. And I could go on. A huge welcome to the show and thanks so much for coming on. Hello, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited about this because um, my husband is very good at using humour with the kids and I'm quite jealous because mm. I can't get there quite as easy. It's not it's not always natural, is it? Sometimes you've got to work at it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing some top tips from you today, Emma. Absolutely. So as a midwife and doula, obviously we love a birth story. Um, you have three lovely children. So what were your pregnancies, births and transition to motherhood like? Yeah, just just a small question. Just a small question to start. <laughs> um, yeah, I yes. Yeah, so three the three kids. There, there's quite a big age gap between the the recent edition and the other two. So I have um, a son that's ten, a daughter that's seven, um, and then we have a, a one year old. I've had three. Well, I don't know what the, what's the correct term for. Do you just call it a vaginal delivery? Vaginal delivery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep, three of those, um, and I guess relatively, relatively straightforward in that I didn't have to have many, you know, any sort of emergency C sections or interventions or anything like that. Pregnancies, I mean, all the usual aches and strains, and um, God, that last bit is that is yeah. just brutal, isn't it? I found the, the third with Scout, I was quite a lot older than um, when I had my first and I did really feel that I felt a lot 
I just felt like, yeah, there's been a couple in there before. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's sort of straining and creaking a little bit more than it yeah. did before. And I did really, I did really feel that on this recent pregnancy. And I think with this, this last birth, um, I really, so with Phoenix, there was sort of hypnobirthing and stuff. It was sort of around, mm. but certainly not as kind of widely available mm. and as talked about as it is now. And so I really sort of got into that with mm. um, with my recent birth. And I was very excited about that. And it was just something that I hadn't really explored before. Mm. And I loved that. And I found that really valuable during the pregnancy. I loved doing like all of the sort of meditations and um, I used the positive birth company resources. Um, and it was great and it definitely helped me. I do think, however, though, because it was my third and I had lots of sort of people around me saying, oh, you're just going to like sneeze this one out. And, mm. <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. I think my expectations were possibly too high mm. um and I thought this is like the last baby I'm gonna have I'm so much more experienced now I've had two births before I've done this hypnobirthing I feel like I've got a vision for what I want the birth to be like which I never really had before mm. I was just like it's a thing that I have to get through <laughs> and I hope it goes okay yeah. um so I think the expectations are a little bit a little bit too high actually because it was quite a long it was a long labor um and that sort of transition stage when the sort of baby's coming down was quite memorable um, <laughs> to say the least and and yeah that sort of was a little bit a little bit traumatic but I think it's quite I, I did sort of take time to debrief with mm, my partner okay. um, yeah. on it because in theory they're quite straightforward actually there were you know there, I think there is a bit of bit of trauma in in however mm. um it kind of happens really so we've we've talked about that a lot emma going off of that point again i think it's a really good one is that in theory on paper from the outside all of these things that we we sort of say it looks like it was straightforward but it really always just comes back to how you felt and if you look back on it no matter what it seems like to other people that's real. That's what's true for you. And I think that's what you've got to work with afterwards. And the other thing I was going to say quickly was, as I've had three children as well. And um, the th I don't know if you find this, Becky, with all the women you've doolied with over the years. The third baby can be a bit of a wild card, don't it, you think? We literally always say when somebody yeah. books in with a number three, we're like, oh, because... It could go either it, way. It can go yeah. either way. Yeah. So quite often it can be super, super fast or sometimes it can be the longest sort of hardest birth that somebody's had. And we don't yeah. know why. We don't really understand the science behind it yet. But yeah. definitely we know, yeah, num number three, weirdly, number four, you just know it's going to be fast. But number yeah. three, it's kind of, it's a funny one. It's, Often yeah, number it's three births like a number one. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah that's the second, and, and my, length, yeah. my second birth was so straightforward and yeah quite quite short um definitely like the most enjoyable easiest one um but yeah the, the third was definitely more like the first I didn't realize that he was back to back no one mm, knew yeah. that so he did he did turn at the end but and that's why I was getting so I think I was getting so stressed because yeah. I didn't recognize the pain yes, it yeah. felt so different like it mm -hmm. felt like he was coming out my spine yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and I was like I don't I like I don't know what's going on and it was so painful um I was just on the gas and air which I, I quite works for me mm -hmm. but yeah I was getting 
very high and <laughs> um but but it's funny because the there's probably only about 20 minutes of that labor that mm. was like like I look back and shudder and the rest of it mm. hours and hours and hours like before I was like totally zen and I was doing like the rhythms and the hypno and I was on the yeah. mat and it was like so peaceful and it was sort of have had dark lighting but you just remember yeah. you sort of remember the worst parts don't you so I I kind of had to readdress that after the birth because I felt because I'd had these expectations and this vision for how I wanted it to go and it, it didn't really sort of map out like that mm. also I had to be on the monitor because he'd done like a poo in the womb mm-hmm. and and I was just like oh so afterwards I sort of had to sort of readdress that because you know, if you look at the whole labor, it was actually really peaceful. Um, mm. And I did feel really in control. But I, you have obviously you have the strongest memory of the bit that was less so. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think yeah. that's quite typical. It's great that you did the debriefing, though, because I think that really yeah. helps just to kind of go through it all in your mind. And then you can sort of almost box it away a little bit that bit and just yeah. You know, and I think my husband, you know, he was really affected by it because mm. I think, it, you know, it's quite difficult to just watch yeah. someone that you really care about and you can't really do anything. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I, you know, wanted to do it for that for him as well. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Amazing. So you both did the debrief together. Yeah. And he felt like he got a lot out of that experience as well. Yeah. And, and I think, well. you know, I mean, we'll come on and talk about the playfulness, but, there's, yeah. you know, we apply playfulness to everything. And, you know, we were able to bring some humor to that debrief um, of the labor. And, you know, that's certainly a strategy that I use in <laughs> in a lot yes. of areas of life. And, and I think... I don't know. I, I, I've always used humor um, alongside motherhood wherever mm-hmm. is appropriate because sometimes it's like if you don't laugh, you will just cry forever. <laughs> um, so oh, it, it was a goodness. strategy that worked for us. <laughs> I've got to tell you about this thing, Emma. It's just, I don't think Becky's even heard this story. So I'd just like to add here that I did theatre studies A level. So <laughs> when I had Toby, honestly, I found that's my eldest who's almost 10. I found it so full on just such a huge change in my life that in a weird way I wasn't expecting even though I'd been a midwife for six years before then because let's be honest generally in midwifery role you look after someone during uh, you know antenatal appointments birthing the baby the postnatal period really only up until about 10 days and then off you go And with Toby, it was probably a few months in, he was a really insatiably hungry baby. He um, was a big £9.3 baby when he was born. And as one um, feeding expert told me, he was a high need baby, (laughs) which I'm not sure was a very helpful way of, of referring to him. But one morning, he had not stopped crying all morning long. And he was in his little baby born baby bouncer. And I was I was on the cusp of just losing it, just bursting into tears myself. And I went out the room for a breather. And then I thought, this thought crossed my mind. And I opened the door just slowly into the lounge. And I went, do, 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 do. Hello, boys. And I came in and I did the full, you know, sweet charity. The minute you walked in the joint. (laughs) And honestly, he stopped crying because of the shock of his mother going to full musical theatre mode. (laughs) And it turned this moment, which is something that, Emma, you talk about a lot. And you talk about the importance of playfulness for mental health, for mental well-being. It turned Mm. this moment of, frankly, despair and feeling just like, I can't do this. What am I doing wrong? Into a moment where 
we, I was just cracking up by how hilariously ridiculous the whole thing was. That's yeah, it. So, that's it. Yeah, it's so powerful, isn't it? It's so that's powerful. the power of play. Yeah, and it's like you get these moments, don't you? It's like a balloon sort of fills up, and the pressure fills up that yes. balloon, and then it's like how how do you want to pop it? Do you want to pop it with? you know a meltdown and shouting and crying which you know sometimes is is appropriate mm. or do you want to pop it with you know playfulness you've got control mm. um of your mindset um and you know it costs nothing and it's not easy and I'm not saying that you know every single moment I'm like yay yeah, jazz course. hands um because that's un- <laughs> unrealistic um but it is a strategy and yeah. I think a lot of my followers are mothers and I'm particularly interested in in just talking more about the fact that you are allowed to have fun in motherhood um you know Mm. it is your time to enjoy that does not mean that I um believe that the experience is universal for everyone or Mm. that it's easy or that there aren't challenges um but alongside those things you can still have fun you're allowed um you have permission um you're, you're allowed to enjoy it you're allowed to have humor you're allowed to play um, mm. And I don't see so much of that in the sort of discourse around motherhood and coping with the stress and the tension. So that's kind of what I, I try and um, yeah bring to the table. Totally. And I completely get that. And also being a mum of three as well, the amount of times over the years, especially when Wilf joined our family, who was our youngest and, and completed us, we are, we're done having kids now. The amount of people that just went, oh, you've got your hands full. And it just felt like such a negative narrative. Yeah. I was like, we've chosen yeah. three children. This is what we wanted. Yes, of course, there are moments when it feels really full on and tough and I'm juggling like crazy. But there are also moments when I feel so incredibly grateful. And I think, wow, like I I couldn't be more lucky. I can't believe, especially coming from a fertility journey that I had with baby one. How was I so fortunate that I ended up, you know, with these three amazing kids? And, and I love also that you talk a lot you know you don't shy away from the challenges of parenthood it's not like you're just like come on we only talk about positivity here playful den is about sort of reframing things I love the idea that you talk about choosing joy and it is those little moments like you say it's not always possible and I'm curious as to where your focus and your interest steered because I know you had another career before you focus completely on playful den how did it become so important for you for this to be the focus of where you were going yeah so my background is in research um and sort of brand strategy so i i I founded an agency 10 years ago and so i've always been a working mother Mm. i've done all all sort of variations of childcare and numbers of days of working um imaginable but most of the time has has actually been full-time so for me you know one of the biggest challenges has been getting that balance right splitting my time managing things like guilt and that feeling that you're being pulled in multiple directions and you're never quite able to fully give you know it feels like you're never Mm. quite able to give enough to either um so that really for me has been probably one of the, the the biggest um challenges I you know I have a a supportive partner and that for me has been has been sort of like the biggie um and that has led to you know I've had periods of burnout um and and sort of quite significant I don't know what what they call them I guess yeah burnouts sort of stress stress related breakdowns um you know the more the more I sort of moved through them and the more I learnt and sort of sharpened my ability mm. to make boundaries to 
to block my time, to switch off, um, to switch mm. modes from sort of running a business to, to sort of parenting, that the sort of better I got at those things, I observed that the more time that I spent playing for myself, I'm talking about here, not, not um, directly with the kids, the easier I could manage yeah. stresses, the more I could float through things, the better my resilience got. Um, and just generally my well-being was better. And because I've, I've, I've been a children's researcher, that has meant that mm-hmm. essentially my my sort of sixth sense or sort of unique skill has been to look at the world with childlike wonder. That was my mm. job to understand how children see the world and how they think and feel and behave. Um, and those two things sort of really sort of collided for me. Um, and I just became increasingly interested in play and the theory of play and 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 the sort of threat of play and and how it's kind of more absent in in a sort of culture that really overly focuses on productivity and traditional success and that sort of thing and yeah just decided during the pandemic when I think lots of people were reframing their priorities had quite a lot of momentum behind me um a sort of really a lot of uh, really positive feedback and motivation from my community and decided actually I want to walk the talk more Mm. (laughs) so I'm gonna um yeah quit my big girl job to play and see what happens um (laughs) and 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 sort of really yeah commit and dedicate myself to to understanding and doing more in this space and I wanted to just I, I completely agree with you and Playful Den on Insta and we'll put all the information about it in the show notes is a fantastic resource for for people to go to to have a look parenting like you say just working out that balance and it also really interested me which is why I reached out specifically to you Emma because I loved what you were doing and it took me back because when I was back in my midwifery um, sort of clinical days, I then had this really amazing opportunity to join something called the Family Nurse Partnership. I don't know if you've heard of them before. No. The reason why it's it's relevant is because basically they're a team and it was an American program that's put together and brought over to the UK to offer intensive, really brilliant um, continuity of care to teenage parents. And I was based in London at the time. I was a teenage pregnancy midwife before this. And when I went into family nurse partnership, um, you work with your young parents-to-be from the moment they find out they're pregnant through until their babies are two years old. And a huge part of what we would do was teaching and learning together how to play with children. So literally getting down on the floor and talking about scaffolding and talking about dancing and not wrestling with children and sort of just finding that place to meet them halfway and not Mm. taking over their play, but very much the scaffolding idea was supporting them to sort of learn to build those bricks and and grow their imaginations. And it was a glorious part of the program Mm. that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Every time we had a play session, I really, really enjoyed it. So when I saw the work you were doing and not just for teenage parents, but for everybody, I thought how valuable it is. And I just, you know, well done you, because I think I know it's a big step to make moving over to doing it exclusively, but it is, I can't wait to see what's what's ahead for you and and the Playful Den. And it's amazing how when I used to work in the clinic for postnatal depression, often women have toddlers and babies and so we would sort of look at a a bit like you Lecky how how they could play how they could kind of Mm. you know um come out of the fog and you know force themselves out of it through play and and it was really surprising how many people didn't know how to play and maybe hadn't and actually also hadn't played as kids that seemed to be a running Mm. theme and so one of the games we used to do was to um 
it was almost like a Simon Says, but it was a funny walk game. So you got, everyone got up and we'd get, if there were any toddlers there with us, we'd say, right, you do a walk and all the adults have to join you. And it was so funny how how stiff all the adults yeah. were and they couldn't. <laughs> and then eventually by the end, the kids would set the, the funny walk and we'd all have to follow. And we'd all be in floods of tears of laughter. And you'd see these women with these sort of heavy clouds just momentarily yeah. be lifted out of it. And it was amazing. And that was just by copying somebody's silly walk around a room, you know. Yeah. So it's really simple, isn't it? But really hard for some people to get there, to access it. Yeah, and it's so beautiful what you described, Becky, because that is that is exactly it. So play is when you do something that is intrinsically motivated and you get temporary pleasure. So yeah. mm. it's it's not like, you know, you do a little bit of play and your life's going to be <laughs> fixed. It's, <laughs> I see it as similar to, you know, we talk quite a lot about things like self-care and mm. relaxation and sort of different methods for well-being. And it's, it's, it's so like, it should be at the top of the list mm. because as you exactly said there, it's that lifting of the cloud. Um, and it's because you know, unlike some of the other sort of techniques for, for managing stress, mindfulness and things like that, what you get with play is the joy. You get mm. this massive dollop mm. of joy. Um, and it can just be as simple, as you say, as moving your body in a silly way. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it's those things. You do it for intrinsic motivation. Mm. So you're not doing it for anyone else. You're not doing it because you're going to put it on social media or because mm. you're going to look cool or because you want to show off to anyone. Like it's it's, it's just you're doing it for the sake of it it's like do more things just for the objective is 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 fun and then you get the you get the temporary pleasure and also nothing bad ever comes out of play mm-hmm. if if it does then it's not actually play mm-hmm. it's something else it's dependency yeah. or whatever it is but nothing ever bad yeah. comes from from playing um so mm. it really can can be that um that simple but the power is immense and and as as you describe with your teens in the sessions when people get to touch play um mm. in a way that perhaps is a little bit deeper or they haven't quite thought about it in that way before it's very like magical to them mm. and that's because as humans we want to play like that's our natural state Mm. like when we're born and we're babies and we're toddlers and when we were kind of primates like we learn and we discovered through play but as we grow up um, and we become more conditioned and all of the shoulds kick in we stop playing we stop becoming curious we stop asking questions we stop going towards what's Mm. joyful for us because we think it's not appropriate or we have to be grown up now or we don't have time for it but it's actually what we crave to do um, Mm. all of the time so when you have a moment where you connect with play both of which how you're describing you sort of seen it in action and you've sort of touched maybe a bit more on the theory of how it works it's kind of like wow (laughs) like wow um and that's that's like the response that I get from a lot of the content that I create because it's just so innately um natural to to us as as humans hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
We hope you're enjoying our chat with Emma so far, but now for a little ad break. We are really enjoying partnering with Sophie Le Girard for this season of the podcast and we'd encourage you to head over to their website, sophielegiraffe.co.uk, to discover some brand new Sophie products as well as the whole range which is available directly on the site. We have been on our social media showcasing just a small sample of what you can find over there and we'd love to see your photos with Sophie. So please tag them with hashtag UK and hashtag notes from the mother box. And now back to our chat with Emma. I know we're thinking about and we're focusing on, you know, parents and, and children and, and thinking about that side of it. But are you going into, I know at the moment with the pandemic, it's it, you can't really at the moment, but is the plan to go in and work with adults that's got nothing to do with parenting, just adults playing, adults in the workplace, you know, just allowing their imaginations to take over for a little bit again and exploring the power of play with outside of the sphere of parenting is that something that playful den will be doing at all yeah i'm very i'm very passionate i, I probably feel more mm. passionate about getting adults to, to play yeah. more i mean i i have a lot of background in in the in kind of kid culture and, and i'm very interested in that but the impact that getting play into an adult's life can have mm. i think change the world <laughs> um yeah. can change how people communicate can change how people connect with each other i'm very fortunate i live on the coast and i live by the beach and i had a sort of penny drop moment a couple of years ago because i've always I've, i'm like obsessed with the beach as lots of people do and then i realized i was like oh one of the reasons why i love the beach so much is because everyone is at play on the beach and like when you look around a beach or there's other environments as well where that happens and you just get that sort Mm. of feeling and it changes people's energy people's mood so it's the sort of mindset for me like play um you know play play for children is very much um an action you know it's an activity it's what they do um it's how they communicate. It's they're, they're doing it all the time. I think for adults, play can really be a mindset, an attitude, mm. um, and this sort of playfulness um, that I talk about a lot. I think is made up of these four characteristics: um, joy, curiosity, creativity, and openness. That's a sort of playful mm. spirit, if you like. That I think um, in the culture that we that we live in today, which is very polarized, which has a lot of existential crises. That you know we're all sort of freaked out about I think we can massively benefit from from all having a bit more of a playful lens on life yeah definitely and going back to the sort of parenting side of it you use the expression getting out of the weeds and and sort of and it does feel a bit like that sometimes doesn't it with parenting because there's always your to-do list there's always that sort of oh god I've got to do this and I've got to do that I've got to do that and that can suck the joy out Mm. of your day-to-day and and almost like you can't free yourself up to to get to those moments of play so like what would be your top tips if someone's feeling so pulled under by parenting in general any any advice such a good question and it it starts so early you were talking about um how people react to you oh you got your hands full there and it's like as soon as you're pregnant like oh wait and you just you wait and 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 I would say one of my tips would be choose another word other than parenting Mm. like I think that word has become so loaded and so heavy I choose dream coach because I think that's fun and (laughs) it makes me like feel like you know that's what I want to do I want to coach their dreams out of them and like that's fun and like you know give yourself another label if you're getting Mm. if you're getting bogged down in the weeds and then 
also it's what I said about remembering that you're allowed to have fun. <laughs> you're allowed mm. to have fun and, and, and really have a look at where you place what has value because quite often um, with parents and particularly with women um, we place more value on um, our productivity what we've got mm. done how much work we've done today how many emails we've sent how many loads of laundry we've done like that's where we place our value and we see first and foremost our role as essentially jobs um you know as as responsibilities and again i'm not saying they don't exist um you know we have to all kind of get that stuff done but just make sure that the other stuff is weighted with more value or at least equal to that stuff Mm. so whether that's like you know, rather than thinking how many lo- loads of laundry I've done today, how much eye contact have you had with your baby today? Because that's the good stuff. Like that yeah. should be as important. Like how have I done something silly today? Have I done something just for fun? Even if it's just for 30 seconds, like when I'm walking around, am I, am I observing and taking in things mm. that, that I find joyful? Am I noting them? So it's really sort of just re realigning where you're placing value because quite often um, we we want to go towards the weeds. Mm. We actually want to, to focus on the negative. That's kind of how our minds are mm. wired. So you have to do the work. Like you kind of have yeah. to take fun seriously. And if you are not getting um, any of that in your life and if you live your life by a to-do list, I would just be making sure that that to-do list has 50% things on it that are about fun and joy and mm. connection as much as it is about productivity. That is so true. and Because you do forget, don't you? Yeah. Like, you know, how often do we have a huge to-do list and you kind of, you only feel better if you get to the end of that to-do list, you know, and kind of, I spoke to Lecky about this when the kids were young, minor teens now, but when they were younger, we, um, somebody told me about uh, love bombing, you know, there's a book called Love Bombing. And so we called it a yes day and it was a day where they were in charge for the day. And it was brilliant. It was the one of the best things we did, but I, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed not being in charge yeah. and and Ella led the day and just saying yes to everything and yeah. it also made me realise how much I say no how yeah. much I say can you wait a minute please yeah. and the day for us was such a, a tonic like it restored us both for quite a long time her behavior yeah. was amazing afterwards and yeah but I think I needed it more than she did actually yeah well you do that it's the playfulness yeah. and these things are so linked so when we stop playing when we stop being curious the more that we do that and the more that we take on productivity responsibility oh god I'm a parent parent mm-hmm. we enter into what we call a fixed mindset so when we're in a fixed mindset we don't consider possibilities we do say no know all of the time Mm. we stay on these rails that we believe if we step outside of them Mm. we're going to lose control and something bad's going to happen or you're going to be a bad parent or you know the child's going to go to bed late and it's going to be the 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 end of the world like Mm. we have a fixed mindset and a fixed mindset is a really not a nice mindset to live with. It's mm. really not um, because you, you're you're closed down to possibilities. So that's why you say you needed it because mm. you've stepped off the rails. Um, <laughs> you've basically let go, and yeah. you're and you're you're allowed to. the The world is not going to implode. Yeah. Um, you know, we're allowed to be flexible and to be spontaneous. Um, and as I said, to to enjoy ourselves. 
absolutely i also really enjoyed on your i think you can still see it on your insta stories your um discussions or you refer to as your pep talk over children and how they dealt with home learning um remote learning or homeschooling however people want to refer to it during the lockdown last year when kids are out of school and then the lockdown again and i know that you're very passionate and you gave the pep talk about children falling behind being out of school it feels like a lot of people got in touch with you and said that they were very concerned that their kids were going to be taking a back step with their education and you went on and and i think people can go to um the playful den and check out it's still in your highlights and it's really useful I watched them all I found them incredibly useful because I had a big concern my daughter who's in the middle is dyslexic so that was something Mm. that you know she struggles so much still age Mm. eight really still with her readings that was something that I was worried about myself I'm dyslexic my youngest is in reception so he's just starting out and we did get an email from the school quite early on saying he hasn't submitted much work since he's been at home and I'm thinking we've got we're both running jobs the kids are out of school it's incredibly trying and then I was I was looking at your pep talk can you talk us through a little bit more Uh, falling behind what question mark this was this was your stance so can you go into that a little bit more Emma yeah I mean god what a brutal time for I mean for everyone but for parents and for families um the pressure was through the roof Mm -hmm. and we live in a very comparative culture anyway um because we're all looking through each other's windows at what what we're doing and on top of that here in, in, in England anyway, we have an academic system that's very archaic um, mm. and is very um, dependent on these sort of stringent markers and, and, and tests and, and assessment and all of that compounded. Um, and and it, it was, as I said, absolutely brutal um, for parents. And what I was hearing and I was getting a lot of messages even from parents with children at, at preschool, actually, yeah. that were feeling, um, yeah, my child is falling behind. I'm really concerned. Um, and also were having day upon day upon day of battles with their child mm. to get them to watch a Zoom lesson or get them to fill in um, a workshop, a worksheet or whatever it was. Um, and it was creating incredible levels of tension in the home. And what I just felt was very sad was everyone was, again, it's the prior, it's the priorities, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's like the most important thing that everyone was looking towards was tick boxes of, mm-hmm. uh, of learning, which clearly you cannot, you cannot replicate what happens in a classroom with the expertise of a teacher and face to face in sort of emergency learning at home Um, and teachers did an absolutely incredible job of being agile and doing what they can but it's like sometimes the parents don't feel like they're empowered to actually say my child is in distress right now my child is also Mm. five (laughs) like they've got a long time at school Mm -hmm. ahead of them and actually you know I, I we're arguing for hours about this but I can sit down and read a book with them um, mm-hmm. in the evening. I can do a bit of Duplo with them for, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's like we we just don't value other things as much as these sort of um, tick boxes of learning. And it's incredibly um, complex because there are children with different needs and different circumstances. But 
all I was hearing was hearing mm. was these parents just, you know, they're going in the bathroom, they're crying, it's a pressure cooker. And I just felt so sad and so compelled to just say, you have yeah. to put first and foremost, like what your intuition is telling you. And children under seven are all basically geniuses. Like their imagination and their creativity yeah. is mind blowing. Um, and there's an, actually an opportunity here to play which there should be a lot more mm. play um in our education system but un unfortunately um as i said it's quite archaic um and it just felt it felt very sad to see um you know all of these parents just feel completely disempowered um and there's something wrong there massively mm. um we're in an emergency situation um yeah. and yeah so i just felt compelled to to just try and empower people and, and, and give them the information and to try and, you know, raise the status of yeah. play because it actually does more for children than, than kind of what they're learning in school at those very young ages. On that note, Emma, I, I was just going to say that um, we we have, like I've mentioned, we've got three children. They're all in school now. We've got the two boys. We've got a daughter in the middle. And we did end up after three years of our daughter being very, very unhappy in a mainstream educational environment, which worked incredibly well, it seems, for our son. He just breezes through. She's 18 months later, completely diff different yeah. experience. Truly miserable. I mean, absolutely miserable. Sunday nights in our house was torturous. T absolutely tears. I felt like I had to force her to go in and it felt barbaric, to be honest with you. And the teacher would just say she was hiding under the table again today. She tried to run out of the classroom. We had to send her for time out. Then I remember on one particular situation, just talking about this archaic schooling thing, trying to get all the kids through their sats. Becky knows we've talked about this. It's had mm. so much airtime between us. And then on one particular day, she was really upset during phonics because we know now that she's got quite significant dyslexia and she finds it yeah. incredibly hard and frustrating. Yeah. She wouldn't sit down and do it. So they took 15 minutes of her lunch break away from her where she was meant to be playing outside. Yeah. I know what you're going to think here because it's just awful, isn't it? And honestly, when she told me that, it just broke my heart and it just made me want to cry. It's like, you are punishing her by taking her playtime away from her because yeah. she feels so awful about her, you know, her breeding abilities. And anyway, we ended up moving her school and now she goes to a different one to the boys. And in the first week she was at the new school, her teacher took me to one side and I was like, here we go again. And she said to me, oh my goodness, your daughter has got the most incredible imagination. You must be so proud of her. And I honestly wanted to burst into tears. Yeah. Ivy's bedroom is like an art room. Like it's literally <laughs> like, you know, the art rooms at school. It's like that, yeah. like there's paint everywhere. There's crayons all mm. over the place. It's an absolute mess all the time. She has this incredible imagination. Yeah. But what she doesn't feel good about and what she finds is more, more challenging is sitting down and working towards sats and things like that at school. Yeah. And that was a moment for me as a parent, just thinking, thank goodness we were in a situation where we could do that for her because I don't know how much longer as a family we could keep putting her through that experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like sometimes we <laughs> we treat children in a way that we would we would not um we would not be satisfied with as adults. Imagine yeah. if we all had to do the same job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Yes. it would be absolute carnage we all have different skills and different strengths and ways of communicating um different parts of our brain that like you know it's mm. um and and that's that's the unfortunate situation is that it is one 
one system, one way of learning, which is very reliant on memory and mm. very reliant on doing things at speed as well. Mm. So um, much of what is in the curriculum can be learnt by most people but absolutely not <laughs> at the same speed yes. like it is madness the volume yeah. of stuff that they have to learn so um and I just find that very sad because you know the idea of um you know a, a free education system is so exciting yes. to me like imagine yeah. like it you know it should open doors for everyone and unless you happen to line up with that particular learning style and you land in a class where mm -hmm. you know you've got you know a teacher that that um is empowered and has the resources and time to support you um which unfortunately you know teachers are very sort of um handcuffed by by the system yeah. and they're not allowed to exercise their no. their actual skills and ability um a lot of children do end up becoming quite anxious um not very happy and mm. they they fall out of love with learning at an age which is just criminal isn't yeah. it um, well she she yeah. just decided she said I'm no good at this mum she said that yeah. at six years old she told so me I can't sad, read I can't do this I'm no good at learning at school and I remember yeah. saying to my husband how can a child of six write themselves yeah. off that's yeah. insane yeah and and I was you know and at the time actually I have to say the year before that she had this teacher at her primary school who I had a real soft spot for actually went traveling around Thailand the year afterwards so I was a bit sad that the other kids didn't get to to see her but anyway she used to say to Ivy we'll sit down and do reading and if we can get through 10 minutes reading of a week together because she by this point really got an aversion to sitting down and reading because she felt so useless at it she said what would you like to do more than anything and this just tickled me pink and Ivy wanted to go into the classroom next door and sing a solo to 30 children. <laughs> wow. <laughs> exactly. So I'm thinking to myself, not many people come on now, where are, the, yeah. where are the points for that? Like yeah. there's not many six-year-olds who perhaps would feel comfortable doing that. And I know I'm a bit biased, but she's got a voice on her. But um, <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, but this is what you get missed out on when there's, you know, there's certain expectations is that perhaps some of the, more creative more arty sides of things get a bit mm. of a back seat and I think that that's that's a real shame again it's it's how we value things so we value mm. you know the English maths um way way above yes. singing and dancing and why <laughs> and that's yeah. why I say falling behind what like it's literally what a bunch mm. of people have set as as a sort of standard um but that's incredibly subjective um yes. and it's what you know a gr one group of people have said these are the most important mm. things to get out of school very very subjective but play also helps you to learn doesn't it so my youngest daughter has sensory processing difficulties so actually plays become a massive part of our family for self-regulation yeah. and you know yeah. it, it really helps her and when she was in primary school, she had to have sensory breaks. So she'd have to go out and have a runabout. So we got very used to using our bodies. And so one of the things that the OT suggested was to sort of have some fiddle toys, you know, yes. because movement helps yes. you to concentrate. But she didn't want to use it because she didn't want to sort of stand out, you know, because they have to sit cross-legged very, very silently on the mat like these little robots. And the teacher that she had luckily was brilliant. And, and she said, don't worry, I'm going to use my class budget and I'm going to buy every child a fidget toy because they all fidget. I spent half of my time telling them to sit still. 
And it was amazing because, bless her, she was an NQT. So I think she was really sort of hadn't been worn down yet by the education system. She bought every kid a fidget toy and she said they have never listened so well. Their work is amazing because they're all fiddling while they're listening to me, but they're really concentrating. Mm. And I just thought that was a good example, isn't it, of going Mm. with the child Mm. rather than Mm. trying to control them um, in a sort of adult centric way. Yeah, I thought it was amazing, actually. And and she really saw a difference in their kind of ability to to listen to instructions to what she was saying as opposed right. to switching off. So wasn't it amazing. Einstein who said that if we judge everybody, if we judge is it a fish by its ability to climb a tree, then it will always feel like a failure. Yeah, he's and got it's like a, the best quotes. It's Einstein. just <laughs> incredible, isn't he's it? A big play advocate as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My girls are teens now. Actually, they do still like craft. When they were younger, we were like uber crafty family. In fact, sometimes I borrow Lecky's kids she to do is. craft. She puts <laughs> me to shame. I love she, it. I, I... She looked after my son a couple of years ago and he came out and he'd made all these like jungle animal masks. And I was just like, oh, Becky, <laughs> you're, so, you're so good at this stuff. <laughs> but I really enjoy it. That's the thing, isn't it? But so many of my friends hate crafting or, you know, painting or like messy play and how can we tap more into that? Because, you know, lots of them really do want to do it, but it's all—it's almost getting over, it's the mess again, isn't it? It's like another mm. job, I think. We all have things that sort of trigger us, don't we? Um, and mm. for a lot of parents, mess and uh, sort of keeping control of the house also allows us to sort of keep control of our mind, I think, mm. and how we feel. Um, and for a lot of parents, you know, messy play is incredibly stressful for them um, mm. because they see it they they have to put themselves in this role where um you know they're they're sort of telling them off or it gets out of hand and then they sort of have all these fears i think the thing about play is it actually thrives very well with boundaries so i think sometimes you know when i'm trying to help parents with how they're playing with their kids they think that to truly get to the full experience they need to just let the kids do whatever they want um, and that's what they're very fearful of and that's that's not true actually if you set set the boundaries the children know that within those boundaries they can do whatever they want Mm. and they actually get more creative because there's some sort of limitations there and they know like you know what they are and aren't allowed to do so I think you just you know if you do have an issue with sort of messy and and play and and kind of things like that it's just like what are the boundaries that are going to make you feel comfortable you don't need to make a big deal out of it and you know come down like a ton of bricks it's just like gonna do this it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be really fun but this is how we're gonna do it it all it all happens in the bath or it all happens in this big box or it only happens outside or it only Mm. takes place on this table like whatever it is um you just put the boundaries down I know you talk a lot about we've touched on it a little bit already going out in nature you live by the beach Becky and I live in Brighton so we're right there with you and we've got the South Downs behind us and then obviously we've got the beaches along the south coast Something I wanted to ask you about, get your advice about, Emma, is that we we often say to the children, especially on the weekends, if they're, you know, at a point where they're back in school, we need to get out, my husband and I, for ourselves, for our mental health. And often what we're finding at the moment, which is something that's sort of evolved over the last couple of years, and I don't know whether it's come from lockdown and our daily walks the kids have almost associated it with a negative thing so on the weekends when we say we want to get down to the beach we want to go for a walk in the south downs we get a wall of no way I'm not going out for a walk I don't want to do that 
But every time we finally get out and it's normally sort of an argument toing and throwing for yeah. about an hour, an hour and a half, they have a great time. We have yeah. a lovely, lovely time. So I just wondered if you've come across that before and if that's something you maybe have a couple of ideas yeah. about. Yeah, isn't it just so frustrating? Yeah, the t- I, I work with um, Dr. Rudkin, a child psychologist, and we always talk about this. She calls it the torture walk in her house because it's like you ask, you, it's like you're asking them to sort of do something that's you know going to inflict bodily pain on them. Um, yes, I would love my children to bound up to me and say, "I, I want to go outside, Mum. I want to go for a walk and explore." But uh, no, that's not the case. I don't know if we're just wired for comfort and we're all just inherently lazy and (laughs) as adults we're able to say I know I need to go out and get some fresh air because it's going to make me feel better and it's going to boost my mental health and I'm going to get my steps in that's just not how children think so you Mm. have to remember that children live in the present so they do what they want to do in the moment so they don't necessarily have the ability to have the foresight to think once I'm on the walk, I'll love it. And after the walk, I'll feel great. And I'll be able to have my screen time guilt-free. Like, that's just yeah. not how they think. So that's such a good point. And can I just say, sorry, <laughs> just pa- pausing on that point. That's so true because also while you're on the walk and they're rambling and they're, you know, picking flowers and they're checking out, you know, whatever they're doing, they're also not thinking about the fact that an hour ago they were squealing and saying, I don't want to come yep. on this walk. Yep. They forgot. Yeah. Gotten that period yeah. of time, and they are just in the moment. Yeah, you know that that dopamine, that joy juice is on the way out, and they're having yeah. a good time. Yeah, so thinking sort of forwards and backwards is almost like time travel yeah. for kids. Like it's it's a strange concept for them. They are like when's my next meal coming? What is happening right now? What is happening in the next 30 seconds? And what's in front of me that I'm doing? Like, and as parents, and I think particularly us in the generation of parents that we are we're always thinking about the future we're obsessed mm-hmm. with the future we're making decisions based on the fact that we're worrying we don't know what jobs there's going to be or what mm. the state of the environment is going to be we are obsessed with future proofing our kids and it's a massive tension that we don't even really realize most of the time because our kids are in the present and they are just about what's happening now and we are constantly an eye on the future so I think once you realize that you can perhaps change your expectations or you know understand that a little bit more about about why why they react someone asked me very recently actually like how do you get your kids to like walks and I just said I don't you can't make anyone like anything and you know if you've ever I don't know if anyone's ever tried to get you into something. My husband's always trying to get me into running and it makes me not want to go yeah. running. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. and he's just like such, you know, loves it. And he's just like, and, and I can, I know that if I got into it, I probably would like it. But the fact that he is trying to make me like it mm, makes yeah. me not want to get into it. So, so I don't true. think you can make them like anything. All you can do is set up the circumstances for them to to have a nice time that's so true emma and i just also <laughs> want to say right my husband said to me recently i'm turning 40 next year he genuinely asked me and anyone who knows this will know how ridiculous this is he asked me if i wanted a mountain bike <laughs> <laughs> becky come on now but the thing <laughs> is emma that's what makes him joyful he yeah. you know he loves that he yeah. loves that despite the fact that he slid off a mountain bike once and I saw him afterwards and believe me it was it was a mess he still wants to get back on that bike and go back up there 
for me, I was like, I don't know how to say this without sounding like like the not fun person in our relationship, but I don't really want to go mountain biking. And I certainly don't want you to buy me a mountain bike to do it. (laughs) But I think that 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 is helpful when you think about, again, this is play in parenthood, isn't it? This is play play in adulthood of us as adults and, and what we enjoy personally and then the kids as well. I think that's a really, really valuable message to take away. And I think the information that you you give to your children adapt it for their personalities some kids it's better to just Mm. be like that's it we're out shoes on you don't even need to tell them particularly what you're doing other kids you might need to say um we're going to do 30 more minutes of this tv show and then we're going to x park or whatever so Mm. i think i think sort of adapt the information that you give and when you give it that suits the personality the character traits of the child i love that actually i remember a friend of mine coming over and um pre-covid and her kids were playing and she knew that them leaving is always quite difficult they don't Mm. like to, to to leave um and so she was like watch this and she got out her phone and she said I'm going to have to put the leaving timer on. And they were like, oh, and she's like, oh no. And she put it on and basically when the timer goes off. But what was really nice is that when she went in and the timer had gone off, she totally like empathized with their sadness. And she was like, I know it's such a shame, isn't it? So rather than going in and going, we have to leave and la la la. She was like, I know, I know. And then they were a bit like, oh, and they were mutually sad and left with no problem. And I was like, that is genius. (laughs) All all kids want is their feelings validated. That's all they want. So finally, we always ask our guests at the end of a show, if you were to write a note going out in a mother box to a brand new parent with your best bit of advice on it, what would it say? I would say reconnect with your inner playful kid. What are the things that you did as a kid that brought you joy that you can get into your life during during this new life stage that you're entering into how can you get them in do you want to pick up your hula hoop do you want to um i don't know get back into swimming do you uh, were you actually really adventurous like how are you going to get little mini adventures into your day like tap into your inner playful kid extend a hand to them and say you're coming with me <laughs> on this new life stage because you're gonna need them you're gonna need them <laughs> I oh, love absolutely fantastic, Emma. Thank you I so much for coming and joining us yeah, today. thank you. This is definitely going to be an episode I'm going to go back and re-listen to it time and time again, just to remind myself when I'm feeling like you say, I'm in that fixed state and I need to just, you know, have a talk with Kid Alexis and, and get back to playing again for myself and for my family. Thank you so That's much, it. Emma. Thank you for yeah. having me. It's been great. Thank you, love. It's been thank really you, interesting. Darling. Thanks once again to the joyful Emma for joining us today and sharing her passion for play with us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to know more about the work that we do, look out for our books, The Little Book of Self-Care for New Mums and The Little Book of Self-Care for Mums-to-Be, where we will talk further about birth, parenthood, relationships and much more. We've really enjoyed this episode. We're sure that you will have your own stories of your bubbers and their love for our partner this season, Sophie Le Giraffe, and we would love for you to share them with us. Send us your photos and your stories to our Instagram at Notes from the Mother Box, and don't forget to tag at Sophie Le Giraffe UK on Facebook and Instagram to share your pics with her too. Join us again next week for more chats with another amazing guest. See you next time on Notes from the Mother Box. Thank you. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.